All right, well, welcome this morning or today or whenever it is you're engaging with us as we continue in our series in John's Gospel. And today we are rounding up John chapter 12. Now, this is a bit of a key moment. We've seen in the middle of John chapter 12 that Jesus has entered Jerusalem as the king as in what we would call Palm Sunday. And that begins the last week of Jesus' life, often called the Passion Week. And so what we will see as we go on from here in John's Gospel in chapter 13 onwards, um, the majority of that is the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Um, if you've got one of those Bibles with the red writing, where that's the stuff that Jesus actually says, you will see that in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, there's heaps and heaps of red writing. Um, so we're going to pay attention to that, to the words of Jesus. But today... We want to continue just as we finish chapter 12 um, with this last little passage before we get into um, Jesus washing the disciples' feet in the Last Supper in chapter 13. And we're going to start today in verse 37. So let me read this passage to you. 37, it says, Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. We'll just pause it there. Now, it's one thing to hear something. It's something entirely different to have a revelation about something. Hearing and revelation are two different things. When something is revealed, it is uncovered. It is unhidden. It becomes known. And so we'll keep that in mind as we consider this passage today. God told Isaiah, and here's a quote from Isaiah that John the Gospel writer is using, um, God told Isaiah that the people of Judah, and this is about 700 years before Jesus, would not listen to his message. Isaiah was a prophet. He spoke the word of God to the people of God in, in, the, in the tribe and the nation of Judah, the southern part of the kingdom of Israel. And as he spoke to them, he had this sense they're not going to listen. Their hearts were far from God. And their hearts, these, these, these um, people in Judah, um, their hearts were not only far from God, but they were hardened to God's voice. They could no longer repent. And repent, as we know, means to change the way you think about something, to change the way you think about God, each other, the world. And so they're in a position where they couldn't even do that any longer. They had become so hard-hearted. They were stuck in their ways and they might hear some words from Isaiah the prophet, but there was no revelation. There was no desire to change. 
And so God's judgment with this group of people was allowing them to have what they desired. He confirmed their choices because one of the the beautiful things about humanity that God has gifted us with is, is free will, is the ability to choose the path we take in life. And so God is confirming the choices these these people were making back in Isaiah's day. And they were asking for, they were wanting, they were desiring to be like the other nations around them. And that was a life apart from God. And that life ends up in separation from God. It also ends up in conflict with one another. And it brings judgment on themselves because they knew of God's desire to be with them. They were hearing it from Isaiah but they were consciously rejecting it. And so there's this phrase in verse 40. It says, you know, these people, they they wouldn't come back, nor would they turn. And God's saying through Isaiah, but if they did, I would heal them. I would restore them if they would do that. And the fact that they would not turn is an indication for us that God did not cause these people to be hard-hearted, He did not cause them to be blind and to deaf to what was going on, but he allowed them to be this way because that was actually their truest desire. Now, when I first read this passage and it quotes Isaiah and it's got this thing about God has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, you know, initially I'm thinking that, that seems really hard to understand and unpack. But as you go back and you read the situation in Isaiah's text and you look at the journey we've been on through John's gospel, you can see that there's some people who are just adamant that they're not going to believe this Jesus guy. They're not going to believe that God's doing something new. They're not going to believe that that there is something that is being um, presented to them, that it's calling them to live a different way. They wanted to have life the way they wanted to have it. And we can see this picture pretty clearly here. Now, Isaiah said this, as I mentioned, um, to the group of people in Judea um, 700 years before Jesus. And, and it says in verse 37 here that um, you know, these people would not believe. And Isaiah, um, it says in our passage, Isaiah verse 41 said all this because he saw Jesus' glory and had spoken about him. So Isaiah is actually pointing towards what was happening with his people in his day. The same thing would happen when the Messiah came on the scene. When the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one, the the one one from God, the one who was going to come in and bring in the kingdom of God, when he arrived on the scene, Isaiah was saying 700 years ago, the people will still respond to the Messiah the way they're responding to God's call on their life back then. And then the passage continues, yet some of the leaders believed in him. Some of the leaders believed in him. Now we're talking about Jesus back in this context of John chapter 12. And believed he was from God and some even believed he was the Messiah. But listen to what it says. But their desire to be accepted by their peers... So we're looking at, you know, verse 42, verse 43. 
Their desire to be accepted by their peers prevented them from publicly declaring their faith in Jesus. And if they're not going to publicly declare their faith in Jesus, then that really is no faith at all. Jesus actually spoke about this quite clearly. If we go to Matthew's Gospel, and in Matthew chapter 10, I want to read a passage starting in verse 26. Check this out. It says, this is Jesus talking, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from your housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. That's pretty confronting stuff, isn't it? And here we have some religious leaders who are seeing what Jesus has done. John John writes here about all the signs that have been done. And remember, there was six clear signs that we've already seen. Um, And the seventh one being Lazarus, even raised from the dead. And some people are going, Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. And some of the leaders even said that, but they would not speak it publicly. They would not declare it. And that really is no faith at all. I'm about to... <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Okay, I'm good now. I've been feeling that coming for a while. So let's go back to what this is all about. John wrote his gospel account so that you may believe in Jesus. That's why he wrote it. And the kind of belief that he's referring to is the kind of belief that changes your life. It is not mental assent to something. It is not just saying, yeah, I reckon that can be true. Our belief, according to John, rearranges your whole life reshapes your direction, changes your actions, your responses, your your interactions so that it's aligned with who Jesus is. And so just as a reminder, let's look at the passages in John chapter 20. Um, I've got two versions here that you can look at. In the NIV, it says this, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. In the Amplified Version, but these have been written so that you may believe with a deep abiding trust that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, the Son of God, and that by believing and trusting in and relying on him, you may have life in his name. That's why John has written this account. And as Jesus talks about having belief in him, we need to be reminded of that. So let's continue our passage. John 12, we're now in verse 44. So Jesus cries out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. 
I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. So there's our light and dark image again that's right through John's gospel. But if you notice the the one I had in bold, that statement, verse 45, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. This is as clear as Jesus saying, I am God in the flesh. So what is God truly like? That's a question many of us ask. What is God truly like? We can look at Jesus. What does God think about me? Well, we can look at how Jesus addressed this issue with many people as we read the gospel accounts. Does God really care? Look how Jesus cared for people as we read through the gospels. What's my purpose in life? Listen to what Jesus said about this. Could anyone even love me? Some of us might ask or think. Look at what Jesus has done for the answer. When we want to know what God is like, we can look to Jesus. Jesus is saying it clearly here, as he does in many other passages. The one who looks at me, Jesus says, is seeing the one, God the Father, who sent me. This is the beauty of the Christian worldview and the Christian faith. God has come to us. God has made himself known in his creation with his people. This is unique in world religions. God, according to the Christian worldview and the biblical narrative, is not distant. He's not off somewhere doing something else where he's disinterested in us. He is intimately present. He is with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to reveal himself. And he's done so in the person of Jesus Christ and continues to do so through his written word and through the indwelling Holy Spirit that is gifted to everyone who believes. And as we read the Bible narrative, God's with us right in the beginning, with us as human beings in the garden. And there was this mandate on the people right back at the beginning who were in the garden to be like God, be creative, to build and design and plan and implement and, and, and reproduce and flourish. That was what was mandated to humankind. So we start in the garden and then the story goes a bit wrong and people separate from God through their own choices and God comes back to the people in a tent, in the tabernacle. And then as people start building and moving and advancing, God moves from the tent to the temple in Jerusalem. But then that's not good enough because that was never part of the original plan. As the story continues, God's presence moves from the garden to the tent to the temple into human beings through his indwelling Holy Spirit. We become the temple of the living God. And then as we finish the story in Revelation, we've moved from the garden to the tent to the temple into human beings, into the city where God's presence in a city, the new Jerusalem, here in a physical world is where God will be with his people. God's desire is to be with his people, to be known. 
And we can know him by looking at Jesus Christ. And Jesus says it clear as day in this passage, verse 45. As we continue today's passage, we'll pick up in verse 47 and through to the end. And it says this, If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them to the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus spoke the truth. Jesus is the truth. When someone does not accept the truth of who Jesus is and what he has said, Jesus makes it really clear in this passage that the judgment that will fall on them by rejecting him, the judgment that will fall on them is a judgment according to what is real and true and right. These are the words and the intent of God the Father. Jesus brings the truth and reality through his spoken word. And when we choose to reject that, that itself will bring judgment on us. That's what Jesus is saying at the back end of this passage. Following and accepting the words of Jesus brings life, eternal life. Choosing to reject these words is both a rejection of truth and reality as well as a rejection of God himself. And Jesus is making this really clear here. John, the gospel writer, wrote a few other uh, letters and things that we find in our Bible. And in 1 John chapter 2, listen to what he says. He says, We know that we have come, sorry, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What does it mean for us to live as Jesus did? Because we do not live in Palestine 2,000 years ago. We live in a world that's very different. But it's not talking about the the actual physical and the practical of that. What this is referring to is about being obedient to the commands of God. And that's how Jesus lived. Jesus just shared that with us in, in those passages at the end of John chapter 12. Jesus lived in a way that he only did what the Father commanded him to do. He only spoke what he heard from the Father. And John, the gospel writer, in this letter is saying to us and to the people he wrote it to 2,000 years ago, this is the way to live life. Obedience to the word of God. Obedience to the commands of Jesus. How do we live like Jesus? We listen to the Father. We speak what we hear from the Father and we choose to be obedient what the Father says. 
That's how we live like Jesus. Jesus reminds us that the commands of the Father, the commands that Jesus spoke, the commands that we have recorded in Scripture, these are the words that bring eternal life. And we have a choice to step in and hear and obey or we have a choice to reject. And that's what Jesus is making clear in this passage we're looking at today. We have a choice in this. We can say we believe it, but the fruit of our life is, do we obey it? Do we live in the reality of it? That's the evidence that we are actually living in Christ. So let's be a people who love his commands. Let's be a people who choose not only to listen, but to be obedient to what he commands us to do. Jesus is God. We can look to Jesus to see what God the Father is really like. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, following him closely as we believe in him, allowing that faith to be- and belief to shape our lives as we join him in his mission, in his world, reconciling all people back into relationship with him. That's what we've been called to. That's where we're landing at the end of John chapter 12. And we're going to shift gears as we go into the next few chapters of John. But where we've come to now is basically John's summary of the, the ministry years of Jesus. And what we can grab from this is so many things, but just today we can grab that we are called to live like Jesus. We are called to live with Jesus. And the simplest way for us to do that, in fact, the only way for us to do that is to hear the words from God and to be obedient to what we hear. Let's be a people who do that together. Let me pray. So, Father God, I thank you that you give us your written word. I thank you that you give us your indwelling spirit. And I thank you that you call us, Jesus, to follow you. And so as we do those things individually, as families, as church, I pray that we would continue to be a people who live in such a way that we reflect you to the world around us and that draws people to you. So Lord, would you empower us? Would you equip us? Would you encourage us to be the people that you see us to be for your glory and for your might and power? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.